Chaos looms, and darkness swiftly approaches. It's time to build your fires and defend the perimeter. Gentlemen and ladies and whoever's joining me around the world, this is a very unusual set of circumstances because I have the one and only Jeff Putnam and I'm hosting him on his own show. Now, the reason for that is uh, this was supposed to, and I guess still is, a episode of the God Mode podcast. I was unaware that my YouTube account, my brother's YouTube account, which we share, has two strikes and has stopped my ability for going live. Now, I know a lot of you have... Uh, really wanted to see the show and we have a lot of interest around it. So the show will go on right here. Um, I, I guess I will blame my brother for the two strikes. Uh, it wasn't me, of course not. I would never do anything to get my YouTube channel any strikes, but uh, I was unaware, but no problem at all. We are going to continue. So I am very much the host of the show today because this is the planned format and I have everything planned out already for the show. Uh, Jeff is my guest, even though I'm his guest. So this is one of the strangest podcasts you're ever going to see. But uh, without further ado, let me introduce myself. My name is Tristan the Talisman Tate. I am well known for being a, you could say, international playboy. I run webcam studios. I'm a self-made millionaire. I live a very unorthodox lifestyle, a lifestyle that some people are very jealous of, a lifestyle that some people think is absolute trash. Um, but that's perfectly fine by me. My life is in very much a stark contrast to uh, my guest today, uh, Mr. Jeff Putnam. But um, if you could just... Go into five minutes for those who don't know who you are and who are joining for the first time. Well, uh, like it says, I'm a patriarch. I'm a married father of nine children. I own Rugged Legacy Grooming Supply Company. I founded that back in 2019 when I got tired of slaving away in a factory. I'm an author. I've written two books. One just uh, released, which is the second. Uh, it's called The Perimeter. It's a follow-up to the very first, which hit the number one spot in my category on Amazon 48 hours after writing it. And that one's called Empire Divided, A Modern Man's Path Back to His Tribe. That's absolutely awesome. Now, nine kids. Uh, we are going to discuss today everything that is different about our various lifestyles. Uh, lots of men wish to live like you. Lots of men wish to live like me. This is uh, framed very much as a debate. Um, but you guys are going to learn a lesson, and you're going to learn a lesson in a little something that doesn't exist today in any way, shape, or form on the internet. And it's a little something called civil discourse. And regardless of what me and Jeff will disagree on, we are very much friends. We are in contact with each other. He knows things about me that I don't share with the internet. Uh, we are very good friends. So we are going to be putting our views on life, love, marriage, kids, etc., out there. And uh, you guys can just absorb all the information, regardless of how different our views are. So I'm going to start this podcast with a world exclusive. This is a world exclusive and you're hearing it actually first time here on the Perimeter YouTube channel. Should have been the God Mode channel, but all perfectly fine. I am going to announce that I do not have zero children. Now, how many children I have, where my children live, whether they're boys or girls, what are their names, I'm not going to tell anybody. I like to play my cards very close to my chest, and I've been playing this one very close to my chest for a while. I do not have zero children, and the reason that I'm announcing that is because I don't believe I would, if I kept up the persona and I didn't tell anybody that I had children, I don't believe I would be qualified to even sit here on the same podcast as Jeff and talk about anything 
related to children and fatherhood. So I do not have zero children. You heard it here first, world exclusive. Uh, with that in mind, now I feel that I can finally ask Jeff some questions in public without everybody asking, why is this childless playboy asking the great Jeff Putnam, father of nine, all of these stupid questions. So I know, Jeff, that we are going to disagree on a lot of things. So to start the first topic off, I'm just going to hit you with one word, marriage. I will never do it. Why should people get married? Well, it's really a personal thing. You know, you don't have to get married to live a life where you're content to have a woman or women or children in your life. You don't have to. You know, it's for me, it was more of a uh, I'm locking in a commitment to a woman that I love that I decided I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Now, is that risky as hell today? Yeah. I mean, think about it. The family courts are to the point where I can sneeze and a woman, all she has to do is complain. And next thing you know, I'm paying out the nose and alimony and child support and all of that. So. Yeah, I mean, as our as a, as a friend of mine, uh, a, a guy a lot of you will know, Rich Cooper says, he says, before getting married, simply spend a few hours in the family courts and just watch the proceedings, and it may well put you off. Now, you, but, you know, the thing is, they always say you can't argue with results. How long have you been married, Jeff? My wife and I have been married since 2009. 2009. So you've been married a very long time, and you have nine we kids. Well, and there's we no got married after we already had five kids. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, there you go. Well, that's a, you know, and, and I'll just say that's something that I did not know, but that's a better reason. You know, even me, even the legendary playboy Trista Tate, if I had five kids with a woman, even then, even, you know, I may well consider signing that piece of paper, but I don't see. So I, you, when I say you can't argue with results, you are, in, you'd say in the business, killing it. You know, you got your wife, you got your nine kids. You're very happy. You're a very content individual. I can't sit here and say that marriage is stupid to you. I can only say that marriage doesn't make sense for me. And I don't want anyone who's watching this to think that you need to make up your mind one way or the other based on what me or Jeff say. Like you said, it's it's a very personal preference. Now, now was, was your marriage, if you don't mind me asking, because I am going to dig into a bit of detail here, was it state sanctioned, the full marriage certificate, the full divorce laws could get you? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, for everybody who's asking, uh, had some issues with the mic, but it's fixed now. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it was a state sanctioned, full blown marriage, like what you would expect any other marriage to be. Yeah. That's absolutely uh, wonderful. Yeah. The reason for it, again, I don't really know if it fell into the tradition side of it, but my wife is a very traditional woman. Mm -hmm. um, she's just, she, you know, comes from a Hispanic background, and it's just one of those things that mattered to her culture that she take my last name and it's official on the book. She's my wife. If you had any, what you'd say cons to, to getting married, I mean, are there any negative effects for you in your marriage? You obviously have a great wife and a great life. Is there anything that you could say, you know, I got married, but it wasn't good because of X reason or Y reason or Z reason. No, I really can't. Uh, and that's not me just, trying to you know promote the idea of marriage if you don't want to get married don't get married right but uh if i look back at my entire life with my wife the world that we've built together the kids that we have um everything is going to have a bad moment here and there i mean you get in fights with everybody you argue with everybody you ever come across 
But overall, it's been something that added value to my life. It's not the sole source of value in my life. I would still have a great life if I wasn't married. But it's been something that added value to my life. See, now I have a question for you. Would you say that your wife is your main, let's say, companion in life? Or do you have any friends or brothers or your father or someone that who's closer? Would you say your wife would be your main source of companionship to you? And that's, it's a difficult question, but it's going somewhere. Trust me. I would say it's yes and no. Right. My wife is my wife, but she's not my best friend. Yeah, I don't believe I husbands and I don't believe husbands and wives should be best friends. Right. I have male friends that I will go and hang out with and will, you know, howl at the moon, smoke cigars and that. And we could talk about things with each other as men versus I talk to my wife a certain way because I respect her. She's the mother of my kids. But I'm not going to have like boy chat, guy chat with her. Yeah. Right. It's it's complete two completely different worlds. And I think one of the biggest pitfalls with modern marriage is that guys get told the whole happy wife, happy life thing. <laughs> and so they just neglect all of their bros. They neglect their friends. They neglect their family. And it's mainly because they're buying into this lie that if they don't go out of their way to make their wife happy, their life is a sham. Yeah. Or their, their marriage is going to be ruined. And that's not the case at all. But too many people get caught up in that. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're actually, I think, on marriage, we're in, we're in a very uh, we're in a position of agreement, I guess, because I always say the reason I don't get married and the reason I will not get married is uh, I'm going to move on to that in a moment. One of the reasons one of the reasons is and I think a lot of people make this mistake. They get married or they perhaps fall too hard into a relationship because they lack all the stuff that you have, like you said, having your bros, having your friends. When I say companionship, I mean, I've got my cousin next to me right here. My brother lives with me in the same house. I've got another friend who lives with us and a great group of guys who I know who I go and see all the time. Like in terms of companionship, I'm not lacking that. So I guess the warning to, to rephrase what you said, and I guess to warn the younger guys out there, don't go getting married because you're lonely and you need someone by your side because you're going to find the wrong type of companionship. And I don't think women want to look after men like that. You know, uh, guys who haven't got the, the male influence or the companionship or the friendship. If you try and find that in a woman, uh, it's I think it's going to backfire on you. So I think Jeff's answer was was super healthy. But um, I do have one problem with marriage. I do have one big problem. And it's going to move me on to my my next, I guess, topic, which is monogamy. Because surely if you get married, then you can't sleep with a different woman every day, Jeff. And as you know. I like to sleep with a new woman every single day of the week, as, as close to as I can. I think I calculated this year. What was it, Luke? Every 74 hours. I calculated this year, looking at my success with women, that I have had a new woman in my bed every 74 hours of this year. Now, that, those numbers are completely legit. Everybody inside the war room knows. I don't pay for sex. I don't pay for women. Women just gravitate towards me, and I can't help myself. How does one help himself, Jeff? How do you avoid doing what I do? And uh, please uh, tell us. Well, it comes down to your own convictions. You're obviously bound in yours, right? You're convicted that marriage is not going to work for you, that you have. This is what I want. This is the life I want. And that's completely OK. If I wasn't married, I, like we were talking about in the green room, I would probably share the exact same kind of at least hopeful lifestyle at that point. Yeah. Right. But for me. I made a commitment and I, I'm one of those guys that if I say I'll pay you next week, 
well, then even if I have to steal it from someone, I'm going to pay you next week. Yeah. Uh, and so when I made a commitment to my wife, that was locked in stone. That's what it is. And I maybe it's just me and maybe it's for a lot of other guys that don't have a problem with, you know, like a wandering eye or things like that. I mean, obviously, I'll notice if a woman's beautiful. I'm not saying I don't. But I made a commitment and that that conviction is just something that I have that locks it all down where I don't have that temptation to stray outside my marriage because I, my wife and I, we have nine children. We've been married since 2009 and we had five kids when we got married yet. We still burn the bedroom down on a regular basis. Yeah. I, so mean, yeah, I don't, have, yeah, yeah, the I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And you know what? And to be fair, I'm a man of my word too. If, if I shake your hand and I say something, like we're doing a podcast tonight, like here we are, different channel, whatever. It had to happen. Really? I'm a man of my word too. Yeah, but you know, and and what I will say, as 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 dishonest as my lifestyle will seem, um, you have to remember I'm not a, I'm not really a liar. I'm an old school, old fashioned kind of, I guess, playboy. But I don't make women promises that I don't keep. I don't say, oh, I'm going to love you forever because I've met her for the weekend in Italy like I did last week. I don't do that. And uh, I try to, to walk through the world uh, without breaking as many hearts as, as I guess I do. But, um, yeah, like you said, if you're fulfilled, um, a lot of guys, the sexless marriage is a big American phenomenon. It's a huge American really phenomenon. Yeah, and I know it is because that phenomenon essentially made me my first million dollars in the industry that I'm in lonely sad guys on the internet you know the sexless marriages you know the, the europeans laugh at the americans for this um i'm not going to get married but for everybody watching you know how do you keep the fire alive after after so long i have got to ask you because like i said the number of kids speaks for itself i mean without going into detail well for a long time i didn't and that led yeah. down a, a road where you know we were kind of at each other's throat and hell it could have led to divorce if we weren't one of those things you know in one of those relationships where we go if you play you pay right so we're going to make sure that we pay what we need to pay to make this work yeah but we're also not completely against divorce if there was there's there's some lines in the sand that if they're across it's a divorce and that's it yeah but what was the point for me that i figured out along the way how to kind of keep it alive and keep it adventurous is I don't treat my wife like she's my wife. I treat her like she's my girlfriend. I get that. I treat her I, I treat her that. like she's she's my girlfriend that I'm trying to convince to be my wife. Right? Yeah, I, I can I can get that. I understand and that. It, and it's not it's not one of those where I, you know, well, I'm just gonna constantly woo and all this other, but it's kind of like when you have a regular relationship. Hey, can we do this this weekend? No, I'm going out with the guys. You know. Or, no, I got this podcast, or I've got this plan, or I've got to do this project, or I've got to do this and that and the other. Yeah, and I, I know we right. touched on it earlier, but in, in, in a marriage where uh, where you have been together for so long and you are so serious about each other, how do you? Uh, how important is guy time? We touched on this earlier, but I'm, I'm curious about your opinion. How your important wife, is it? Your wife doesn't need to uh, hear your problems, right? Your wife needs to know that you can handle your crap. Yeah. So having that guy time, if you need to blow off steam or throw some axes and howl at the moon, you do that with your bros. Cause you don't need to bring that kind of energy into a marriage where she's your sounding board, where you're complaining about life to her. 
like you and I go out, we I, we could complain about whatever we want, you yeah. know, get yeah. mad. But if I'm around my wife, my wife just needs to see me as this thing that, okay, he handled it. Okay, he's got it handled. I run things by her, say, hey, this is what's going on. I've got this issue with my company or this issue with my business or my book. But I've also got this in place. So I'm going to figure it out. I just wanted to keep you up to date. Yeah, the guy time makes that possible. If you don't have bros, you don't have friends, then your wife is nothing more than your friggin' therapist. And I have this thing where, you know, if you, if your wife's your therapist, you're wanting her to be this caregiver for you. Well, if she has to be your mommy, she's never going to be screaming daddy. <laughs> I like that quote. I'm going to use that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tweet that. I'll credit you though. Don't worry. I like that. But how did you, um, and where do you go about finding a woman like Jeff Putman's, uh, Putnam's wife? Like, cause like finding a good woman is something that people always come to me for and make no mistake, make no mistake in my life with the number of women I meet, I meet good women all the time. I meet 10 girls that you should marry every single year. I just don't marry them. But, but what was your, let's say hack. How did you know she was the, she clearly is the one for you. That goes without I mean, saying. She how, how with everything know? she's putting up with. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So how did you know? How did you know? How did you find her? What's the story? How do you find a good woman like that? We just kind of ran into each other by accident, right? Uh, her and my uh, my mother used to go to the same church. I didn't go to church. Okay. I, I'm not a Christian. But uh, I, I skeezed my way in there, I guess. she had. One, this is back in the day when you had the Nextel chirp phones, the yellow construction ones. I know you remember yep. those. I know them. I and know them. Uh, hers didn't work. And... Uh, she was asking if anybody knew where the Nextel store was. Yeah, I do. I'll give you a ride there. Well, I know they're closed, but we, <laughs> of course she was hot. She was hot. Yeah. Right? And so we got there and, oh, it's closed. Well, we're all the way out here. We might as well get something to eat. And she was like, yeah, sure. So look for a woman who goes to church with your mother, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> whatever your values are, like, you know, I'm not a Christian. I, I'm a pagan. Right. Yeah. However, there is my, and my wife's Catholic. Yeah. You know, she's, she's a Hispanic woman that grew up in the, in New England. You know, you can't get more Catholic than that. Yeah. No, you but there's still universal values that matter to the both of us that if one of us stepped on the outside of, it would be one of those hard no's. So if you want to find someone that shares your values that you'd be willing to spend the rest of your life with, then you have to go to the places or be around the kind of people that are full of people that share those values. You know, I'm not going to find a woman that shares my values passed out face down on the bar crying about her ex. No, right. No. Or you might, find, you, you might find a very fun weekend, though. <laughs> right. But you're, but you're still, you're not going to find her at the club with a bunch of halo orbiter dudes yeah, around her. Right. I know. I know. So it's no, one of those things. Right. Yeah. I understand go, that. go where they are. Like I tell people all the time, they ask me, well, how do I find a wife? Well, what do you like to do? I like rock climbing. Well, go friggin' rock climbing. There, there's women who rock climb too. You'll find one there. You can strike up a conversation because you've got at least something in common to talk about. Yeah. Don't be like, Oh, I need to go to this place to find a woman. There's not, it's not a factory over there. It's just they, they are around. You have to go and do things. Yes. That, that, and that's advice I give to people too. And they say, Oh, how can I meet women? I'm like, well, how often do you go out? How often do you leave your house? How often do you go driving, take a walk in the park, go to a bar, go to a restaurant? Never. You're on the internet all day. Well, you know, the problem is I mean, you'll uh, find them, but they won't be good ones. 
No, exactly. And then the, the problem with internet dating is this as well. The problem with if there are any girls worth worth picking up on the internet or even from messaging on Instagram, the best of the best girls will have the best of the best men in the entire universe in their inbox. You know, if you're just some guy, some loser in his in his mother's basement, you've got they haven't got a chance of meeting the ten out of ten Instagram girls. You know, they're not going to reply to you. So yeah, get out there, uh, get out there. That's very good advice. Um, whatever it is you like doing, you know, go out and find women who like doing the same thing. Now, I'm a man of excess. Uh, there's a good saying I like. I said, uh, it's, um, I'm a man of simple tastes, but I like excess. I need enough sleep for two men, enough whiskey for three, and enough women for four. That's how I live. Now, excess is something that I understand very, very well. But Jeff, nine kids? Nine? Nine. For those of you at home that don't know how many nine is, why nine? Why so many? Because that is excessive. By today, I mean, my grandmother had nine kids, but she was born in the 1940s. Yeah. Explain yourself. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not common, but um, we didn't plan to have nine. It was just, oh, you're pregnant again. Cool. Oh, you're pregnant again. Cool. Oh, you're pregnant again. Cool. Right now, we would have 11 if uh, my wife didn't have, or more, if my wife didn't have complications with the birth of the last yeah. one. Yeah. I, I've never had, a, I don't, I'd never put a number on it. Like, oh, we're going to stop when we get to this many. It was just kind of one of those things where, uh, hey, I might be pregnant. Cool. All right. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, uh, well, what about money? I'll just go make more. And, 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 yeah. So, so it never crossed your mind for one second to have some sort of procedure done so you could no longer have kids once you got to six, four, five. No. No, I'm not getting snipped at all. Still to this day, I'm not getting snipped. And you know what? I, I actually completely agree with that. I stand by that. I don't think I'll ever do that. But um, obviously, you know, so you've got you, you've got your 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 wife, and you've got your nine different kids. But do you not think just 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 an idea? Bear with me for a second, because there is a Tristan Tate insane method for doing everything. You could have had nine kids by getting nine different women pregnant at the same time. Why was that not <laughs> appealing to you? <laughs> uh, really, it, it kind of goes against the way that uh, I look at things. Yeah. Um, and like I said, if I was not married then yeah i'd probably do the sleep around thing and all that but you know we've already talked about it, made a commitment keep, keep yeah. my word that yeah but uh yeah i mean i could do things the easy way and have done that now cool now but i'm hard-headed i'll do things the hard way if i have to or if even if the opportunity presents itself uh but really it's more of a I don't believe I can actively care about that many different people, right? It's different when they're your flesh and blood. Yeah. Um, but like I see guys all the time, they've got, like I worked with a guy who has 15 you know, baby mamas, right? Okay, he barely remembers. Yeah. That's insane. You know, so yeah. And so he's got like 30 kids with 15 women. And I want my kids to see that I am a certain kind of man uh, in the way that I treat their mom. And I can't do that with more than one woman. I can't treat multiple women with the same amount of love that I do my wife. I can't do that. Do you think anyone, do you think Somebody it takes else a different kind of answer. mindset? Yeah. Maybe it takes a you bit know. of more of a, more of a narcissistic mindset. I don't know. I'll, maybe I could think of some dude. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. you know, I'm not saying the way I do it is the right way for everybody. But 
I know I'm not capable of giving more than one woman that level, just me personally. And if that's a, yeah. uh, if that's a, a fault or shortcoming or however anybody wants to define that fine, it's whatever. But I know that the way I treat my wife, I wouldn't be able to do that equally. Uh, in, especially if we, if I had children with two different women, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that to both of them and have it show in the eyes of my children. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that. Cause a lot of guys say that to me, if I have three or four girlfriends at a time, sometimes two or three living together, especially back in the days when I used to run my, my various webcam studios, people say, how do you, how do you do it? I say, I just, I just do. I, I just, you know, it, it, it's very, I'm, not everyone is wired the same way. I think what we're learning, even in these 25 minutes of, uh, of this podcast, is that, which I knew was going to be the conclusion we're going to get to, is different things work for different people. And, uh, you know, there's no right or way, wrong way, necessarily. I mean, there is a wrong way of doing things, for sure. Oh, very much. But I, yeah, yeah, there are millions of wrong ways of doing things, you know, having kids and neglecting them and forgetting about them on the other side. Of the, I mean, that that's the wrong way of doing things. But, you know, there are different ways of doing things. There are different ways of doing things, and, and they work for different people. But, um... How many boys, how many girls? What's the split? Eight boys, one girl. Eight boys, one girl. Eight boys, one girl. Now, obviously, this you didn't have these procedures that give you boys or give you girls. It was, they don't, I don't know if they're legal in America. That's like Arabic countries, etc. But did you want boys or did you want girls? So here we are, 15 years ago or however long ago, however long ago it was that you were childless. You haven't got any kids. Do you want boys? Do you want girls? And why? I think every man wants at least one of each, right? Because you always hear the stories about there's no being a father to a son is one of those things. It's like this ancient and primal sacred thing, right? Yeah. You have your boy and you're dragging him out into the woods and saying, all right, we're going to shoot this animal. You're going to eat its heart and we're going to take it home for the family to eat. Yeah. Right. That's super cool. There, there's that very primal thing. But then there's, you always hear about, you know, once a dad, you know, daddy's little girl thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so my daughter was child number eight. It was boy, 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 seven in a row. Yeah. And then my daughter came along. And I, I remember um, we had one of those 4D ultrasounds where you can see like the 3D of the kid and all that other. Yeah, I've seen them. And they go, uh, you're having a daughter. It's completely different. I had no idea what I was going to do. I wasn't even scared for my first kid. I was concerned when I found out I was having a girl because I'm pretty sure I had the dad thing locked down for boys, mm. you know, with seven of them there. And then here comes number eight. It's a girl. And well, I have no idea how to do this. My wife is finally getting some backup. This is not going to work. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when she came along and that's that's my little girl, you know, it's one of those things it, it, i can't even describe it to anybody watching um unless they have a daughter you know, you can have all the sons in the world but if you have unless you have a daughter you're not going to understand it uh but I, I, I didn't have a preference for either it, you know i'm having a kid cool whatever it is we'll make it work you know i want it to be one or the other yeah <laughs> well yeah of course just that yeah we'll just that there. Yeah, let's leave it. Let's leave that there. I don't need you getting any YouTube strikes on behalf of right. talking to me. I'd feel guilty. No, but no, exactly. I was, I was, I was perfect. I was, I was the same way. I was the same way. Healthy. It's healthy. Good. Whatever. So, um, yeah, that's the way it is. But obviously, no words of how many kids I have. Blah blah blah. You can all keep guessing, but the haters can be quiet. You know, I don't have no kids. 
So what, what do you think? Because let's be honest, Jeff, the world is falling apart. I'm a pessimist. The whole world is crumbling around us. Everything is going wrong. The future is not bright. The future is not wonderful. What necessarily, let, let's, let's, let's stick with sons at the moment. How do you think you need to raise your sons and what do, are you teaching your sons that differentiates them from the new wave generation of internet masturbators and God knows what else is going on in this world? Uh, what, what, what values do you, what would you, sorry, what advice would you give a man with a newborn son? What's important to teach him? Whatever kind of son you're going to have is going to be a direct product of the kind of man you are. Right. If you have a son uh, and you're the kind of man that talks a big talk but doesn't walk the walk, then your son's going to be very much the same. You can I could sit here all day and say, well, I want my kids to be, you know, hard and, and rough and whatever. But unless I'm teaching them those things by living it myself, uh, then, you know, it's kind of like I mentioned earlier about being a man of my word. I make sure my mm -hmm. kids see me do that. You know, well, you know, dad never, ever balked on his word. You know, if he said I couldn't go, I wouldn't go. If he said he's going to pay that guy, he paid that guy, so forth and so on. You have to do those things. Um, like my wife and I, we were very much agreed. Um, we don't coddle our kids. We don't even coddle our daughter. You know, when they're young, like my youngest boy, he's six. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my daughter is getting ready to be nine. But. Or, uh, we don't we don't coddle them to the point where we weaken them. Yeah, your leg's broken. We'll take care of that. You know what I mean? But is with the I didn't get my way. I'm going to throw a fit or um, it's just not fair. Well, if you want fair, there's one every fall. All right. You can go to the state fair, ride the rides, get a $15 yeah. Pepsi. No, yeah. no one cares about fair. Um, what we do is we teach our kids that whatever their actions are, it's going to be completely up to them. You know, obviously my wife and I are two different religions. We let them choose that whatever, whatever faith they want to follow. If at all, they can do that because you can't make them believe something. I believe that. Well, what if, right. well, whatever decisions they make ultimately are no matter how much my wife and I influence them, they're going to be their choice. I can show them how to live. I can show them values that every man should have, whether it be, you know, you're a man of your word. You have structural integrity. You back up what you say. You have convictions that you won't move from. Uh, you you prioritize your strength and your health and you get in there and you work your ass off in the gym. You know, you you don't let yourself become this lazy slob. You go out and you make it happen. If you need money, you go earn it. You don't beg. You earn what you get. You deserve nothing. I can do all of those things and teach them, though, and, and I can live that kind of life. But if they decide, well, I'm just going to do it my way. OK, cool. I can't drag you to the pond and make you drink from it. Yeah, that's the old saying. You're right. But I want you to be acutely aware that whatever you choose will have some consequences and you will take the full unbridled force of those consequences because you made that choice. Yeah. See, see, I'm very nervous because the sons of every rich man I've ever met are totally worthless human beings 
So I need to really think outside the box. And I've got a few strategies up my sleeve that I guess uh, to share with the world. Uh, this On this subject, there is no debate. I mean, we were disagreeing earlier about monogamy and marriage, et cetera. But here, I think we're exactly on the same page. But I'm, I'm going to be especially careful, you know, that I, I, I believe hardship and struggle is, is a, to, to some degree, is a very important part of, uh, of creating an, an actual man. They say diamonds form under pressure. I need to be very careful not to, not, to, not to spoil my kids or coddle my kids, as you were saying, because, Jesus, if they grow up like any of the rich boys I know, because the rich boys try to be my friend because they think I'm a rich boy with a rich dad, but I can't stand the, the, the guys, you know? I literally cannot stand them. So I don't know what my techniques are going to be. Maybe I'm just going to make my sons go to a boxing gym and say, look, for every $1 you earn boxing, I'm going to double it. Because then if he gets to the point where he's making so much money, I can't double it. Good. I don't need to anymore. There's going to be something in there where, you know, the, the, the values of hard work need to be ingrained. And, and you know, if, he, if he's going to be his own man and if he's going to not listen to my advice and not follow my example, like you said, then he's going to be uh, he's certainly not going to be getting any of the benefits of having a, a father as wealthy as me. So he can literally kiss my ass. So that's good advice even for me. So I need to I need to log this in here. I'll be using it in, you know, 18, 19 years. We'll see. Yeah, another but, um, example of another example of what we do here, uh, as far as their education, we homeschool yeah. them, and our yes, kids still get do. failing grades. Yeah. Well, okay. well we're, <laughs> you failed. Well, guess what? If you failed because you were homeschooling you and you still didn't do the work, we will hold you back for another grade. There yeah. is a standard that you must meet, and I think that's important no matter what you do. You know. Well, back when my kids went to public school, if you brought home an A on the report card the first time for the first semester, well, you just set the standard. You're not allowed to make less than an A now because you yeah. show that you're capable of an A. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. And, and homeschooling is something I would certainly look into. Well, we're, I'm going to, in, a, in about 15 minutes, I'm going to touch on the, the topic of the United States and raising kids there otherwise. But I'm not so pressured to homeschool over here in Eastern Europe, because I don't believe a lot of the, the craziness that leaks into American schools is leaking into, you know, the, the schools here. So will I homeschool? Probably, I probably won't, but you, I think you're making the right choice over there in the States. I, I certainly would be homeschooling in the States or even in the United Kingdom and a few other countries in Europe these days. But where I live, I think uh, there's, there's a few schools I could send them to where I'd be relatively comfortable. Daughters, now you've only got one. How do you... And this is going to be very interesting for me to, to learn also because I'm, I'm, I'm famously, I mean, I'm famously a playboy. What do you teach your daughters? How does Jeff Putnam raise his daughter? Well, see, uh, I'm lucky with my wife, you know, just like no single mother has any business trying to teach a young boy how to be a man because she's never been a man and she yeah. won't be able to show him what it is to be a man from a man's perspective. I can't show my daughter what it means to be a good woman. Yeah. Because I, I'm, I'll, I will never look as much as I can try. I'll never be a good woman, Tristan. Yeah. Uh, you know, the beard, it's just the beard, lose the beard and you'll be a bit closer, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zero <laughs> no, percent chance. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I respect that answer and so, as well. And that's, I don't know that's, the answer. Huh? I don't know, but what I do know, what I can influence because invariably, and you will know this, I'm willing to bet, and you and I've had conversations in the past. A lot of the girls that would seek out work in your industry ha invariably have some form or another of daddy issues. 
a lot of the girls who seek out men like me <laughs> invariably have daddy issues. You know, the ones who don't are the ones I have to chase down. But yeah, exactly. you're, you're completely right. Yeah. What I do have control over is I can do my utmost to be the kind of man because daughters will invariably marry a version of their father. Yeah. If I work my ass off to make sure there are no bad versions of me and I can be the kind of man that I would be comfortable with my daughter bringing home, then I've done my job. Yeah. I see what you mean. See, I see. I was going to say, so here we, here we differ. We don't quite differ, but I was going to use, I think I know, I mean, like, from my career, from my life, from, from my hobbies, from my lifestyle, from my, from my recreational, let's call it activities. I know most men are pure trash for women. And when I mean pure trash, I'm not pure trash now. If I met an angel, I could give her a family and, uh, you know, and, and be there for her, maybe even marry her one day. I'm financially successful. I'm smart. But all the years when I was 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, I knew that no woman in their right mind, if they were as smart as, you know, as I am now, had any business dating me. I didn't have any money. I was coming up in the world. I only cared about kickboxing. I was just looking for something to do at nighttime. And when I say scare tactics, I was very much going to tell my daughters or future daughters, you know, men, men are terrible, even your dad. <laughs> and you need to stay away from them because I'm, I'm good to you. You love me. I love you. I treat you nicely. Daughters, I don't mind spoiling. I'll buy them nice things. I'll make sure they're looking at, looked after. But uh, yeah, even, even I'm not good to women. So that's what I was going to do. What, what do you think about that? Should I be saying that to, to, to children? I mean, young teens, it would be. Whether, and this is uh, one of those where whether you like it or not, your daughter is more likely to find a guy who's exactly like you in every single way, whether you want her to or not. Yeah. Because and it'll be within your control. It'll be outside of your control. It doesn't matter. She will find the one that is just like you. So one of the uh, an interesting test case, I'm not going to say her name, but one of the girls, let's just say one of the girls I know. One of the girls I know lost her virginity to me at age 20. Now, her circumstances were super unique. I'm not going to say her name. I'm not sure if she's watching this or not. But uh, essentially, her father, her, her mother was a small town kind of village girl. And her father was a pimp. And uh, he, this guy got arrested when she had just been born. And he got sentenced to 15 years in jail. So this girl's mother carried her around as a baby to knock on all the girls who testified against him's door and said, oh, this is my uh, daughter. She's just been born. Please retract your statement. And they somehow got his sentence reduced to like five years. But she has two older brothers who share the kind of mindset that her father has. But because this dude was literally a pimp, and I'm not talking about running a webcam studio. I'll use the word pimp as a joke. My girls got paid. They made a great living. They had wonderful lives. I'm talking about a real ice cold, take girls from Romania, send them to German fuck clubs, pimp. Sorry for swearing. So uh, this girl, her virtues and her personality, as I said, she's been with one man her entire life. Lost her virginity when she was 20 years old because of the knowledge of what men are like. So that's what I'm trying to, I learned that from her. So I feel like if I can be as honest to my daughters as her brothers are to her and her father is to her, stay away from men, they're all, they're all garbage. But it's ironic that you said what you said because 
you said she's going to end up with a man as close to her father as as you could you could possibly get you know you're you're again you hit the nail on the head so that's a that's a scary thought but uh even a guy like me is is not stupid enough to think girls like that don't aren't worthy of respect and being treated nicely you know i oh, i don't I, yeah absolutely yeah. i will say this though i don't try to make yourself look like you don't have faults in front of your children right with sons and daughters both and i've said this before a father is the child's first subconscious concept of god yeah right you know in the eyes of uh, of a boy or a girl they look up and they see their dad and that is the closest thing that they'll ever be able to conceptualize as a god before they get to the point of learning about actual religion and things like that when they do get to that point that's when they see their fathers as humans and then they see the flaws they see the strengths they see the little chips you know, in the marble where it's not such a smooth surface after all. The job of the father at that point is to then be the intermediary and say, look, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the, the bridge between the earth and the sky. The child is down here and the sky is those eternal virtues and attributes and values that you want yourself to possess. So you, you know, just like me, you still work at being a good man. You try to become a good man, but you display that you're still trying to be a good man and that there's a higher paradigm or a higher exemplar that even you strive to be. So in her eyes and in his eyes, your sons and daughters, they will see that there is something even bigger than you that they can aspire to see and become and seek out. So. It's yeah, no, I understand what you not, mean. Not so much to being, well, I'm perfect and all, or I'm terrible, and all these guys are terrible too. Push for, push, you know, push for, you should seek out someone who knows their flaws, is self aware of their flaws, but is actively trying to become more rather yeah, than I'm contented to just be this piece of crap. Yeah, I understand exactly what you mean. I understand exactly what you mean. Okay, I'll, again, more advice. Boom, logged into the brain. I'm going to use that in, in well over a decade or two decades time. So we're going to see. Um, before I move on to what it's like, because you, your decision to homeschool nine kids, I mean, that's got to be a, a full-time job as it is. Um, before I move on to the USA, why the USA, why not the USA? I'm going to run something by you, something you could not do in the USA. Now, this isn't the I'm crap, I'm a piece of garbage argument. This is something that I wasn't necessarily planning on doing. But I heard this from a Romanian gypsy family. And uh, the, the driver, uh, the, he's a taxi driver, this guy. So he's not even from a relatively, he's not from a very wealthy family. The gypsies have this technique for raising girls. And it's very friendly. But I think in America, it would be illegal. So now everyone's going to sit on the edge of their seats. And what is this I'm talking about? They do this. They make it very clear to women and young girls and young teenage girls that they are a member of the dad's family. So let's say I have five daughters. You are Tate's. You're members of my family. Oh, you want some nice shoes? Cool. I'm your dad. I'll get them for you. You want a small car to drive around in? I'm your dad. I'll get that for you. You want, I don't know, some new clothes? You want this? You want that? Fine. I'll get that for you because you're members of the Tate family. Every six months, they get these girls checked to see if they're still virgins or not. Because the moment they're not, 
they're no longer a member of the Tate family. They're financially cut off. You lose your car, you lose your clothes, you lose your shoes, you lose everything. If you're going to lay down with another man, that's he's you're his business now. So you better make sure he marries you before you do this because then he's, he's going to take care of you. That's the nature of the world. And I've met girls. I actually took a girl on a few dates, 18 years of age. And, you know, ran my game, had nice dinners with her, nice dates, glasses of wine. It was, no, my dad will kill me. My, da I, my, my dad's going to cut me off. And that lasted for about five months. I didn't get anywhere. And now me and her are just friends. So I don't succeed every single time. So I know it works because I've experimented with it. In America, would you go to jail? Is that some sort of controlling weird behavior according to the United States? Like, I don't know. But here they do it. I'm one of those... I'm not really all that concerned with whether or not it's legal. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it's something that needs to be done, we'll just, we'll, we'll take care of it. No one's got to know. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not bound by, you know, some strict moral code of, well, the law said I can't, well, oh, yeah, no, if I got to get it done, I got to get it done. I, I don't, I don't yeah. care. Um, but I do like that strategy. It is a good strategy. Uh, yeah. Because, well, you're, uh, you're good enough to, well, he's good enough for you to give away your virtue and your purity and all that. And yeah. I'm not one of those, that, you know, that's all sanctimonious. I was having underage sex, yeah. right? I, it's not me. But yeah. again, I, I don't care if this is a double standard. That's my daughter. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Exactly. Right? I agree. That's my completely. daughter. It's a, yeah. it's a double standard. You're damn right it is, it is because I said yeah. it is. And it's my standard. Yeah. And um, if you don't like it, not my problem. You don't continue to not like it. I'm fine yeah. with that. I don't need yeah. your approval. Um, But... No, I, I do like that. Oh, you're good enough, or he was good enough for you to lay down with. Well, then he's yeah. good enough to financially cover for you now. Exactly. Well, obviously, I'm not going to let my daughter end up, uh, you know, homeless and, you know, yeah. on the streets. Not, not to that extreme, Yeah. but, oh, you want a car? He can buy you a car. Yeah. Oh, you want he's, these $200 yeah. pair of shoes? He can buy you those shoes. You know, I'm, like yeah. I said, I wouldn't let her go hungry or things like that, but she's definitely not going to be on the same receiving end. Yeah. Uh, as she would otherwise. So yeah, yeah. I agree. I, li I like that strategy. I like that. Good, good. Maybe I taught you. Maybe the, the gypsy families of Romania have taught you a thing or two today. This is just information I'm regurgitating. But but very much the key to it, and I've learned the key to it is in the nice, gentle, friendly programming. You don't take a girl who's you know starting to get curious about boys at 15 and sit her down and say, "I'm going to cut you off." Blah blah blah. It's you know these girls really really think this way. Nope, I'm a member of my dad's family. I can't go to bed with you. What? Well, are you going to marry me? Like they honestly think this way. And I've dated some and I have got nowhere with them. And, and that's the way it is. And I just think, you know what? Do I really want to keep trying at this just to have sex, to have some gypsy family of guys mad at me trying to make their daughter marry me? You know what? No, I'll go find another girl. And even the hardest playboys in the world like me give up once the programming is done correctly. So I know it works both from me trying with girls of this, you know, from families like this. And when my, when my taxi driver, he's a, he's a driver, I use him for a lot of jobs, was telling me this. I thought, that's, that's genius. That's really, really smart. And yeah, um, cause, I mean, yeah. you're, you're like me. Like I was a teenager having sex. Of course. Yeah. And do I want my sons to be teenagers having sex? No. Yeah. No, no you don't. I don't. My son. Well, that's double standard. Yes, it yeah. is. And it will continue to be. Same yeah, you know, I don't enough. want my daughter. I don't want my daughter having underage sex. Yeah. You know, if she, you're not 18, no. Well, dad, you did it when you were 15. I, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, the rules are enough. different for me at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do like that. And what you said about the, the soft and gentle programming, that same thing can be applied 
into the way that you were talking about raising uh, a daughter. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you were to have a daughter, it would be not all men are trash, you know, da -da -da -da, stay away from them. I'm good to you. They're not. You have to ease into that. Hey, these are the examples of the kind of men that you should approve of and you shouldn't approve of. Yeah. Be that same, that same yeah. strategy. Yeah, because I need to remember sometimes I'm a very impatient guy when it when it comes to I don't know getting money, getting rich, whatever, buying something new. I'm very impatient. You need to remember with kids is okay. The time goes at the rate time goes. You do have 14, 15 years to have these conversations before they're going to start getting impending. So, yeah, I need to slow my rate of thinking down a little bit. But um, yeah, all all very very good advice. So why? Let's get back to disagree. How about that? I think guys, guys, guys came here to see us disagree. Let's get back to some good old fashioned friendly disagreements. Why are you raising your children in the United States? Because your your wife is not. Is she, was she born in America? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She's she's Hispanic. Sorry, I, I thought maybe she was born somewhere else. So so why the United States? I know you're from the United States. Your wife's from the United States. It's a very easy answer. But do you not see? that the United States is failing as a society slowly, little by little? I don't think the United States is failing. I think it's failed. <laughs> okay, well, there we go. We're yeah. But like I said earlier, I don't necessarily give all that much of a crap about the laws. If, if, it's, if it's happening here in my yard, well, then I don't care what the state says about it. If it's happening here in my house, I don't care what the state says about it. I mm -hmm. raise my kids the way I want. I raise them with the virtues and values that I want. Um, if the state doesn't like that, well, then the state can continue to not like that. If they want to find me, they'll have to catch me. I don't care. <laughs> uh, you, if you want me to get in trouble for doing something, you're going to have to catch me in the act because I'm still going to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't really care where I raise my kids. I'll raise my kids on the friggin' moon. I don't have any like emotional attachment to geography, you know, wherever, like, I like it here where I live in South Carolina, right? Because, to be a good governor in South Carolina and to keep getting elected in South Carolina, all you have to say is do whatever you think is best for your family. Okay. South if you Carolina, do that, that is... if, if you do that as a politician, you'll, you'll stay in office here for friggin' ever. Yeah. Right. Like we've got the most based sheriff where I live. He's been elected over and over and over for the past like 30 years. Uh, he was one of those that when there were going to be the protest and all this other stuff, he just said, all right, that's fine. You can do whatever you want. But if it gets out of hand, I'll deputize every person in this county and have them handle it. Yeah. As in we'll shoot and, you down. And, start. Yeah, yeah. And everybody calmed down and he doesn't care. When the Corona thing came through, he goes, you can say whatever you want in your city. I'm just not going to enforce it in my counties. I, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. The governor didn't like it. He goes, well, I'm an elected official. You can't, you know, have me removed so yeah. you're removed governor and the governor back down so it, that's kind of the attitude of a lot of the people here because mo most people here who've been here their entire lives and i've lived i grew up here but I, you know i've lived everywhere but still yeah. most people here are like those scots irish descendants yeah who you know we, we, we left the queen because we didn't want to be part of the inbred monarchy and yeah. so we still don't do what we're told and we're not going to respond to it to being told what to do. And that's you know, the environment that we have here. And so I like it better. And I have, I have a friend from South Carolina, Dylan Madden. Ever a lot of people on Twitter. Yeah, know him. He's Dylan, from South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I know Dylan. Yeah. Dylan lived maybe two, three hours from me. Yeah. No, and he likes South Carolina. But for me, like when I go to, and don't get me wrong, 
I, I put something about this on Twitter. I'm not going to uh, put it in such vulgar words on your YouTube channel. As I said, if I get you strikes, I'll feel bad. But let's just say I, I said something along the lines of, you know, I had a lot of fun in Miami, but uh, it's a it's a it's a virtuous, empty husk of a of a culture. You know, I'm from Europe. We have it like an actual culture here. I was in Miami and I had a lot of fun and I met a lot of interesting people. But man, the girls out there, I didn't meet. What there's no there's there are no wives in Miami. That's the best way I could put it. That's a, that's a, in fact a Muslim friend of mine said this about nightclubs in England many years ago. He said there are no wives in here, and I agreed with him then. But there are no wives in Miami. You know, people will well, talk the what they want Florida, about Europe. Yeah, go on. The thing the thing about Florida is the further south you go, the more northern you get. Okay. Right. Uh, so. Yeah. Miami is one of those places where it, it might as well be the southern New York. It's here where I live. It's further north than Miami, but yeah. there's very traditional down home southern values here. Now they're not universally shared by everyone, and I, I, obviously they wouldn't be universally shared by everyone in Europe. You're still going to have your outliers and your little miniature tribes or whatever that yeah. just believe something else, and that's cool. But the atmosphere here is carry yourself a certain way or we're going to ostracize you. I, I, you know, I like that. I like that. I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, with good old fashioned shame. I, I really don't think there is, you know, people are certainly in this country, it would be, you know, if you, if you dress too provocatively, literally, and people will say what they want about Eastern Europe, there are places where if you dress too provocatively, you will be shamed. If you are uh, too overweight, you will be shamed. People will laugh at you. It's, it's, I like that. I don't think there's anything wrong with the good old fashioned shaming, but uh, that's illegal now in the United States, isn't it? You, I mean, like, sorry, I just need to ask if, if an establishment walked up to a, a bar, for example, walked up to a table of overweight ladies and asked them to leave with no real reason, there'd be some lawsuit or something, wouldn't there? Yeah, probably. Yeah, no. Over over here, that's that's. I mean, that's literally. I the security literally got to people. No, you can't be in here and just kicked them out for whatever reason they like. And I like that. I know. I know it's a bit crazy. It's a, it's you're a bit breaking insane. the aesthetic laws in here. You know, yeah, you're, literally. You're lowering the curb appeal. You, you yeah. I, I remember there was a group of girls who I knew personally across the table from me. And the owner sent someone over and said, you girls are dressed like prostitutes. You're dressed too provocatively. Why are you dressed like that in my club? Are you prostitutes? No. Okay, well, go home and get changed. Sent all of them home apart from two. And they came over to my table. That's how I know the story. They were like, yeah, they told us to leave because you're dressed too cheaply. And I was just like, you know, yeah. I like that. Have some have some standards, you know, but uh, I don't know. I, I think America in, in that way has very much lost its way. Uh, homes, homeschooling. What, what, what's the the reason behind that? What's the logic behind the homeschooling? Well, you know, we haven't always homeschooled. We're not, we haven't homeschooled until just this year. Right. Yeah. Um, well, with me working as much as I was working back before I started working for myself and writing and all that other. It was always a hassle. You know, well, now I, I got to go to this school because this kid's sick. Oh, this kid got in a fight. I got 75 phone calls from one kid in one semester. You know, yeah, yeah. it was one of those. Obviously, he's my kid. But uh, I got to the point where I didn't like the way things were going. You know, you start seeing it. Well, we're going to, you know, we don't tolerate any violence. Well, my kid's being bullied. Yeah, I tolerate well, violence. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I actually had, and I'll say this on my own YouTube channel, um, one of the uh, assistant principals told me that he, there was never, ever any excuse 
for violence whatsoever. And so I asked him point blank to his face. I said, well, if I come across this table and I try to fuck you, are you going to fight back? I mean, what did he say? Well, he just kind of looked shocked. Well, so see, there is, there's reason for violence. My kid's getting bullied. I told him to bash their face in until their ears are bleeding. Right? Yeah. That's what I want him to do. Great advice. Um, but because all of that uh, just kept happening. And I raise my kids if someone steps to you, you may get the last time. Yeah. It, that's got to be it. So I'll step to you, make it the last time. Give them a yeah. good reason to never do it again. Show them how bad of an idea that was. Yeah. And I'm not going to start. I'm not going to let that happen to my daughter. You know, I'm not going to let that happen to my youngest. I'm not going to keep letting that happen. So we said, by the end of 2020, we're going to homeschool everyone. Well, then here come coronavirus. Great. Everybody's home now anyway. Yeah. You know, let's go buy some new laptops. Let's get this done. Yeah. And so that's what we did. Um, but now that they're not in public school, I can see more clearly the contrast between the two. It's like this indoctrination factory is what public school is. Whether whether it be the trash uh, from critical race theory where all oh, my kids have to be taught that they're half evil because they're half white, you know, no, I know, no, I know. It's just, I'm, I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not going to put up with, you know, my children being punished because they're not going to use some made up pronoun. Yeah, I agree. I'm not going to put up with that. You know, I, I'm not get, I don't, I'm not beholden to the state, so I'm certainly not going to be beholden to a damn school. Yeah. And now that the way that we raise them, my kids are done with their schoolwork in three hours. There's no reason to have them sitting there in this, you know, indoctrination state funded factory uh, for six to eight hours. No, my yeah. kids can do what they do. And I can say, go outside and kill something. You know, and also, go and beat also, each other up and eat dirt. And also you could teach them things that are useful. I mean, if you get the whole school curriculum done, like you said, I, I believe I look at the school moves, I guess homeschooling has always been an interesting idea to me because I always felt, especially at school, that I was always very ahead of class. I would always finish things before the kids. School moves at the pace of the slowest kid, doesn't it? So when you say they're jumping their schoolwork in three hours, why are they there for six? Because there are some idiots in their school who are going to take six hours to do the exact same work. Whereas you can make them finish it in three and then you could teach them something actually useful. Like, I don't know how money works, how bank accounts work, how to keep control of your finance, like the stuff that they don't teach you in school, which is absolutely mind blowing that they don't teach this stuff. But there are their reasons and conspiracy theories behind why they don't. But yeah, yeah, I, you know, school is not education, it's indoctrination. And, oh, you know, exactly. I, I, like my 15 year old, my 15 year old, guess what he's saving up money for? That I already talked to your brother, his Forex trading program. Or the de de uh, decentralized finance is a good place to put money at this time. At this time, I mean, Andrew says the windows are closing. Windows are closing to get rich in the certain ways that are happening. And DeFi with decentralized finance, that is an absolutely insane, almost, let's call it a loophole in the yeah, matrix. It, it, it and, really uh, is. Without I mean, going down the rabbit hole. I know. Exactly. I mean, we have a guy, we have a guy in the war room. He, he famously turned his last $300 into, into 250000 somehow. With the, I mean, not everyone did that, but Jesus Christ, some of the some of the amounts of money that are being made in this are inc just mind blowing, and it, it's it's the biggest transfer of wealth from from poor people. Because I I'm not a rich person, I'm a poor person who made money. 
I'm not from that group of elite people that have control over things or something. My dad was a broke-ass chess player, smart as fuck, but never had any money. And my mother washed dishes. I'm not a rich person. I'm a poor person with money. This day and age, 2021, the window is closing. This is the time for poor people to become rich people. I did it. Lots of people are doing it. Uh, it's absolutely insane. And uh, not to preach too much, but um, yeah, the, the incredible oh, no, things that are going on right now, the incredible things that are going on right now. This is what young people need to be learning. Instead, they're learning how to, I could still take a pencil and paper and sketch the inner workings of a flower where the anthers and the stigma and all this. Like, what, why do I need to know that? Like, like I'll, I'll learn useless stuff in my own time. I'll listen to audiobooks. Why do I still know that from my school days, but I don't know how fiat currency works? You know, it's exactly. I would rather like, my 15 year old kid is learning uh, marketing and yeah. sales those things will actually benefit him. I don't need my kid to go to some university because he got, you know, a 4.0 GPA from this, yeah. the state school so that he can spend $300,000 to make $40,000 a year. Yeah. And I, and, I was, and I always say it, one of the, the things that me and Andrew brag about, six people who worked for me went to university and neither me or my brother did. So, I mean, if that, if that doesn't prove to you, you know, that there are other there are other ways to do it. I mean, you you want to be a doctor? Good, go be a doctor. Go to medical school. Good for you. You want to be a lawyer? Good, go to law school. Pass the bar. Good for you. But there, there it's not it's not the only way to do things. It really isn't. And um, I think I'm living proof of that. So we've we uh, we've we've covered the USA. If you were to give me some advice, so let's assume because Twitter and YouTube and the world now knows I don't have zero kids. So I'm gonna make up some hypothetical kids. Let's say I have one girl and one boy. Give me advice, give me advice. What do you think I'd do wrong based on how I am? What do you think I could learn from you about how to raise a boy or how to raise a girl? What advice could you give me, Tristan Tate? I'm, ask, I'm asking you, you're the dude with nine kids. All right, I'll say this, and this is not going to be a very popular answer with a lot of the people who think I would answer differently. Go ahead. When a kid is born, you know, but probably between the ages of zero and one year, your dads don't feel the same gushy, lovey thing as the moms do who I carried who carried them in a sea of friggin' hormones for nine months, yeah. right? A father doesn't have the luxury of being chemically attached to their kid like the mom does. True. You have a certain lifestyle where more than likely you are, obviously we just talked about it. you were in Miami, you travel a whole lot. You will have to make a more intentional effort than most other dads will with your lifestyle, with uh, the way that I know everything is set up, you will have to make a more intentional effort to spend specific time with the kids to actually feel that connection because you, you're a man. You're just like me. If you don't spend time with your kids, sadly, you will start to become indifferent. You won't feel the way you should feel. You have to build that relationship. It's no, we're men. We don't just we don't do the whole love at first sight hormone pheromone crap. We have to build a connection with our kids, and you have to do the same thing. 
everything else that. is everything else is super fairy tale of oh i yeah look i loved my kids when they were still in my wife's womb but spending time with them and building the in the relationship and having those moments where my kids just the other day my wife saw me walking into the kitchen and she said my youngest son was tracking my every movement and she said he had these googly eyes like he was just in awe of my presence well i had to create that with him yeah right you know the kid the the, the parents that don't connect well with their kids are the ones that didn't focus in the earlier years on building that connection, whether it be by choice or by obligation, because I understand that sometimes life happens and I was working 60 hours a week. So I, I didn't get this opportunity that I have now with my older kids. Yeah. You know, now that I'm home all the time, I, hell, I go to the gym at 4 a.m. while they're asleep, you know, so I don't miss that much time with them unless I'm doing something like this or I'm traveling for uh, uh, something business or speaking event related. But I noticed that difference because I've got this grand scale of my oldest all the way down to my youngest over here. I can see how the relationships are different with all of them because of the amount of time I was able to put in on them. Okay. Yeah. So you're saying a man like me with the way my life set up, I could have all the distractions in the world. I could never come home. <laughs> but uh, what you're saying is I, I need to make more of an intentional effort while they're young, especially mm -hmm. after the first year or so. Okay. You'll need right, to make yeah. an intentional effort to, to make yourself love them more. Because like yeah. I said, we're men. We don't just, oh, he's my kid. I love him. That's a kind of like a generic thing, right? Yeah. But you have to like build that relationship to make you love your kid the way that I love my kids. That if, okay, I've, I've got it. Like if you had a kid in New Jersey, you're living in freaking Romania. You don't love that kid, but I mean, you love the kid because he's yours, but you don't love yeah, that I know kid. What you, mean. you don't know, right? You just have to, yeah. Yeah. You don't feel yeah. that way about the kid you built a relationship with. Yeah, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. It's the same with same with any member of your family, you know. I exactly. have cousins, I have cousins in the United States, I have cousins in England, you know, there's some sort of connection, I guess. But my cousin here, as much as I hate him, I guess I like him more than all the rest of them because I spend time with him. So yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna be the same principle. All yeah, right. I've got I've got siblings that I haven't seen in years, and I don't give a crap about them. Let's yeah. See. You know, yeah, me and my me and my sister, it's indifference. She doesn't like me, can't stand me for some reason. I, I have no bad feelings against her, but I have no feelings either way. I haven't seen spoke seen her once in the last six years, whatever. Of course. Right. So it is what it is. That's the way it's gonna be. The um all right, that is very, very good advice. That applies to boys and girls. I cannot see the questions people are asking. I can't because this is your feed, it should be mine. I cannot see the questions people are asking. So if there were any good ones. Think them up and post them in a second. But first, I want to ask you about your new book, The Perimeter, because a lot of guys in the war room have talked about the first part. And this is a follow up. Uh, this is the follow up. If, I, if I'm correct, I still have not. I'm guilty as charged. I've not got around to reading either one yet. But please tell people where to find the book, what it's about, what we have to learn from from Mr. Jeff Putnam. Well, like you said, this is a the, the perimeter is the title. It is. Coming to Amazon June 1st right now, I'm only taking orders on my website, uh, which is jeffputnamauthor.com, uh, for signed copies uh, right now. And it's going to go on Kindle and paperback on Amazon June 1st. So follow up to my first book, Empire Divided. Now, earlier when you asked me, um, how do I feel about America failing? And I said, I don't. I think it's already failed. 
Yeah. And that is Empire Divided. It is a very anti-woke, in-your-face, politically incorrect, which is why I had to self-publish, breakdown of what this trash culture of globocentric unity is supposed to be tolerated and everything is supposed to be accepted or you're one ism or a phobe or another Mm -hmm. uh, as well as the expectations that we are supposed to for some reason care about everyone else on the other side of the world Uh, and the more exotic and the more disenfranchised the better right you know that's where the virtue signaling comes in well Mm -hmm. the, the, the the click click whistle tribe over here in south america you know, they don't have iPhones. So this lady, this white lady having her Cobb salad, you know, is going to start up some fundraiser yeah. and all of her other, you know, tight assed friends are going to be jealous about it. Yeah, there's that. But I framed all of that and everything that I've taken. And I got it. It was influenced by Jack Donovan. A lot of people know him. Jack Donovan's a good friend of mine. I, f- I follow him on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jack Donovan's not on Twitter. He's on Instagram, though. Instagram. I follow him somewhere. Yeah. It's a start the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's a, he's a friend of mine. Uh, I, he's been on my show. I, we, we hung out in Orlando last year and he always called the modern society, the empire of nothing. And that is exactly what it is. And so I ran with that concept and looked at the, at America, but also at the world as this one empire and empires are all essentially the same, whether they're a business empire or a cultural empire or what or a societal empire. They're, they're a confederacy of tribes that are all brought together, kind of like the Iroquois Indians. They're a bunch of tribes from all over the damn place who kind of yeah. come together under one name. Well, that's America, and they're trying to make that into the world now. Well, they're trying to make global currency. and but it's uh, not, yeah. Let's break down the borders. I think Biden just wanted a damn global tax that Ireland said, you, there's not going to be a global tax. Yeah, you know That is the agenda. Well, we are all one people. No, we're not. There are plenty of people that live down the street that are not my damn people, and I don't I care what happens to them. Romanians would agree with you. It took yeah. years to be even accepted as a member of society here. So. Yeah. yeah. I oh. care about my people, and yeah. there's nine noble virtues. Uh, as a Norse pagan, uh, well, Germanic pagan, leaning into the, the Norse side of it, there's nine noble virtues that I break down that every man needs to embody, and that the Empire is diametrically in opposition to right now as we speak. And that was Empire Divided. This is a follow-up to it. Uh, The perimeter is those walls that you have to build. Because you can't escape. I I can move to Romania, and eventually, in 20 years from now, something is going to happen where it's going to be just as gentrified and just as woke as downtown L.A. I was saying that in the green room. I was telling you that before. I can't escape it. However, I can carve out like what I did here in South Carolina. I can carve out this little piece and I can build a world and a culture with the values that I want and have it enforced by the people that are my people that share those values. You know, it's like you build a fire in the dark and it cre- and it casts this little like ring of light. That's the perimeter. Everything yeah. in that light, that's your world. And sometimes to defend that perimeter, you have to take some fire on your fucking torch and go out there into the darkness. And you have to do your own indoctrination. You got to expand that perimeter. You got to build these outposts. Otherwise, you're going to get overran. Yeah, by the darkness, essentially. 
Right. That's a, that sounds like a very interesting read. And I am a reader, a prolific reader of books. There's, I mean, I'm not university educated. There's a reason I know lots of things I, I like to read. So I'm going to get myself a copy of that as well. Um, you all know where to find it. He's already told you. I have, do I want multiple kids and multiple women or do I want one mother for my children? It would be nice to have 10 kids, nine kids with one woman. My lifestyle is not set up in that way. And I want a large number of kids. So you can draw from that answer, the conclusions that you will. I don't think I'm going to find a woman who's going to give me 10 kids. I don't think I will. So I'm going to have to play a different game. That is your answer. Um, I have two more questions for you, Jeff, before we start. Right. One, of, one of them, first one, is it just nine? Are we done? Are you finished? If I could have more, I would have more. That is uh, such an awesome answer. I am not <laughs> opposed. I'm not. A, I'm, I'm not opposed to adoption, right? Yeah. Uh, the only reason we don't have more now is, like I said earlier, my wife had some severe complications. Yeah. Um, she almost bled to death after labor of my youngest. Yeah. You know, they were they were in there hanging blood bag after blood bag after yeah, blood yeah. bag, and it, it's too much of a risk for her, right? And Fair enough. I'd rather not go through that. But I mean, I'll steal a kid if I see, see one I like. <laughs> we yeah. can do that. Yeah, good, good, good. But uh, yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm glad she's okay. So that and the last question I have for you because me and you, and we said this at the very beginning, we live very different lifestyles, don't we? Are you happy? Because you look happy. Are you happy? Are you a happy, contented individual? I am. I can tell. Mainly because I built the world that I have. I, that's what men do, right? We build the world we want. You built your world. Absolutely. You have this life that you want. Where you Absolutely. can make the rules whatever you want them. I do the same thing. Yeah. You, know, you, you and I we're friends because we're we're different, but we're not so different in the way that we look at things. Exactly. Uh, as far as I'm going to do whatever I want to do, unless someone can stop me, <laughs> yeah. I will accept whatever consequences are coming. But if I have, because you know your convictions don't mean anything if they don't cost you anything. Yeah. And so sometimes you just have to put your foot down and say, this is what it is. And I've built that world where I'm happy. I don't give a crap if someone says, oh, well, you're going to get divorced rate. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm badass enough that I can build everything again. Yeah. Well, and me and Andrew have a saying, it's, it's a saying that we use ourselves. Should we be doing this? Should we not be doing this? Should we, the, 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 the answer is we always say to each other, okay, take me to jail. Take me to jail. As in like, I'm fine. Take me to jail. Now, I don't care if that's if we're talking about things that are necessarily legal or not illegal or whether our girlfriends or women or friends will like them. Take me to jail. I said, I'm going to do what I want anyway. So it's something that we, uh, yeah, it's something that we, we share. How has fatherhood changed both of you men? Um, hmm. Has it changed me? Has it changed me? I think I'm going to give an unusual answer. I always get asked how getting rich has changed me. And I say money doesn't change people. It brings out who people really are. So as much of an asshole of an asshole as people think I am, I have always been a super – I was asked at a war room summit recently, which animal was I most like? A stupid question. But uh, I said I'm like a silverback gorilla because me and my people – the reason I have the name the talisman, it means a good luck charm. I'm a good guy to have by your side. You get jumped by five dudes, you better believe it's good to have me with you. I'm not running away. You need to 
talk to the pretty girl over there by the bar with the ugly friend. Yeah, screw it. I'll wingman you. I'm a good guy to have by your side. And I've always been a very protective dude, whether it be over my brother, especially uh, my cousin. You know, if anyone gets into any trouble, I I'm there. So I don't think it's changed me. It's just, you know, that's who I've always been. And I just feel it more now in, in different ways. You know, so I don't want to say it's made me more careful or more paranoid. I just have more things to worry about and to care about. But that's always been me. So it I guess expanded your perimeter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there we go. Exactly. Exactly. That's what it did for me. I, I was, yeah. look, I was that, that, that little shit stick kid, right? I was stealing the car at 15 to go play <laughs> pool. Uh, you know, that's what I did. And I was playing with 26-year-olds and sharking them for $10 a ball. Yeah, I would be terrified if my children were doing that. Right. Um, but I'm like you, it, uh, it made me a little more aware of what I need to worry about and it showed me that I can't be central focus just like you you've got the war room you've got your cousin you've got your brother you have people you have a tribe yeah. of people right and as a member of a tribe you have to kind of you know you have, you have to contribute to the tribe you have to be you can't be the weakest link of the tribe no nope. you don't want to be the dude that's always starting trouble that everybody has to bail you out like that drunk buddy that keeps causing fights with people bigger yeah. than him and you got to save yeah. him but you don't also want to be the guy that can't jump in and save him if he does exactly you have to level up in all aspects and be able to handle everything that comes with it. And so when you become a dad, you see weak spots in the perimeter and you go, okay, I need to go fortify that. I need to go fortify that. I need to fortify that. That needs a watchtower. I need to put a guard over there. Yeah. And that's what you do. Exactly. So it's, again, I don't think it changed you as such. It just made you more aware, more aware of what you need to do. I mean, I, obviously the, 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 there's the, the maturation thing, you know, you, you grow up. Yeah, and, and but time is doing that anyway, slowly. I mean, I try not to grow up, but, you know, time is the fire in which we all burn. There's no escape. But, um, yeah, uh, I think I, I, sometimes I keep forgetting that I'm hosting the podcast. I think we've learned here today. So I know a lot of you were watching this expecting some sort of a boxing match, some sort of a clash of worlds. Uh, my last question to Jeff, are you happy, is because – I'm very happy. He's very happy. Like he said, he built his world the way he wanted. You know, they say God creates man in his image. Well, I think men build the world they want to live in, in their image. And the unhappy men are the men who look at people like Jeff. Oh, he's stupid. What are you having nine kids for? The people who look at people like me. Oh, yeah, he spends too much money on cars. But who haven't built a world of their own. That Those are the sad men. Jeff's happy. I'm happy. I think what we've learned here today is there are multiple ways to, do, to live the right way. There are different ways to live the right way, let's say. And um, yeah, it, it's been a beautiful discussion. Uh, I hope you've learned a lot. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, you know where to find Jeff and his book. You can always find me on Twitter at Lives Talisman or Talisman Tate, as you can see here on my Instagram. Uh, feel free to drop me a message anytime. My advice for men. Are we, are we finishing it there, Jeff? Do you want to go first? Yeah, well, we can wrap it with that one. My advice for yeah. men. Like what, like what Tristan just said. God created, or the gods, as I believe, created men in their image. Now, there's every religion out there always says, uh, you know, like, what would Jesus do? Be more Christ-like. Every single religion has some tenet that brings it up to this point of become more God-like. 
whether you're going to be just like Jesus or just like God or just like Krishna or whoever, there is an exemplar and there is a paradigm. There is a level of greatness that is completely unachievable. You will never be the strongest, the fastest, the greatest. I'll say this uh, as a kind of a calling out to Andrew, because I know he's going to see this and I think it's going to be funny. He will never be the best and fastest and greatest, but he has embodied every single aspect of the pursuit of those things. Yes. Every man should do all of those things. Just because you won't be the strongest doesn't mean you shouldn't get stronger. Just because you won't be the smartest doesn't mean you shouldn't get smarter. Same thing for courage and money. Just because you'll never have all of it doesn't mean you shouldn't get as much as you can. Exactly. Just because you're never going to be the greatest doesn't mean you shouldn't try to be great. No matter what the hell it is you want to do. You want to be a great porn king? Then do it. Yeah. You want to be a great farmer? Then do it. But don't settle for the mediocre bullshit because now standards are racist or phobic or whatever. You shouldn't lower your standards because it's unfair to someone else. Not everyone is going to make it. And just the same reason I pulled my kids out of public school, they go at the slow kids pace. I don't need my kids, you know, getting dragged off the cliff with the rest of the dodo birds if they can go faster. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it sounds horrible, but it is what it is. It's the truth. And, and I would say, I mean, my advice for men, I think me and you, like I said, as much as we live different lives, we think it in a, in a very similar way. My advice for men would be exactly what you said, but also any life worth living. Is, is there's going to be hardships and there's going to be sacrifices. I didn't magic my way up here. You didn't magic your way to having to be, I mean, literally, you have the biggest family of any guy on Twitter who, who preaches patriarch stuff. I mean, you're, you're literally number one in your field, as, so to speak, in, in, in this area. So you don't magic your way up there. Every single uh, life that's worth living, that's worth something that people are going to remember that people are going to look at and think, wow, for good reasons or bad reasons, it's, it's going to take some level of sacrifice. And most men and a lot of men, and here's what they don't tell you, a lot of men live lives that are not really worth living. Uh, you know, it's when people say black lives matter, all lives matter, blue lives matter. I, I said something very unique. I said, most people's lives don't matter. Most people's lives don't matter. A lot of people, you know, you see on the internet, they preach to you all this nonsense about, oh, your time will come. Don't worry. Uh, Harrison Ford starred in his first movie at 30 as though everyone who's struggling is going to somehow have this great success story someday. You're not. 99% of men are going to be born, you know, live their crappy life, go through their education in a mediocre way, maybe go to college, get a job, marry an average chick, have a kid who hates them, get divorced raped get old, retire with no memories, and die. That's most people's lives, and you don't want to be one of them. So put in the work. There's sacrifice yeah. involved. If your in life matters, life. you should behave like it matters to you. Exactly. Exactly. All I care is that my life matters, and it matters to a lot of people now. I have a, a, a Me and my brother are on a 700-strong group of men called the War Room. I've made my life matter. Make it matter. That's my point. You've, your life matters to a, you know, more so than mine. In, in many ways, you've got nine kids behind you. So, uh, yeah, make your life matter. That, that's all I can tell everyone. So that's my advice. Thank you for joining me on what has been the perimeter, a.k.a. the God Mode podcast. This video will be posted to God Mode. So if you're watching this on my YouTube channel, then you missed all the, the late showings and the craziness to, uh, you know, of switching it to over here. But Jeff, 
Thank you very much for joining me. I knew this would be a very interesting conversation, and it was. Everybody at home, you're welcome. And um, there's going to be more of these coming up, hopefully on the right YouTube channel next time. So uh, stay tuned and join me in the future.